0: You know, it's amazing how quick you can go from like a good place to a bad place, you know, like it's amazing how quickly you can go from like listening to worship music to like getting really mad at someone. I think the thing that really gets us the most is driving. There's just something about driving. It brings out the worst in every human soul. Uh, I remember one one night after I was teaching youth, and uh, that night it went well. Um, no middle schoolers fell asleep while I was teaching. Um, no high schoolers made fun of me. I, like, I was excited. I remember going home, and I'm driving home to the house that I'm at right now. I'm driving home, and we're going down this two-lane road, and all of a sudden this person comes up behind me. And they are like on my tail, honking, flashing their lights and all that. And, and here's the deal. like I'm in an 03 Ford Ranger. I don't care anymore. Like if you ram into the back of me, I'm like, oh, well, but so what I do normally when somebody does that, I slow down because I'm I just I, I could care less. I'm not going to speed up. Like I am like, whatever. But they keep doing it. They keep doing it. I'm like, God, there's no one over here. I'm like, just go around me, like figure it out. I kind of try to go over to the right side of the road. They keep doing it. Like I can see them yelling at me. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Finally, I'm getting mad. Like literally we come up to the light and they pull into the turn lane and I am so close I'll be honest, I was so close to flicking them off. Like I was so close, I was, I was so close to like saying something and then, because I, I was in the right hand lane, I could just take off, like whatever, if they're bigger than me, who cares, you know? And so I was this close and I look over and it's two of my students. And they're like, we got you, ha ha ha. And I'm like, ha ha
1: I look at them and I said,
0: I'm gonna call your parents and tell them you're addicted to meth, so. Don't mess with me in my car. I, I, I didn't, but I, I had the I had the phone open. Like I was thinking about it. I was like, this is awful. But it's so it's true. We can so quickly go from one side to the other. We can so quickly go from a happy place to a bad place. It, it's the same thing as we talked about in our first week. If you weren't here. Um, Go to the the podcast, listen to that. But it was the idea of the freedom that we can live in with God. Because with God, it's about freedom. It's about a relationship. It's not about rules. But it's so easy to go back and forth. It's so easy to be in that freedom, to be enjoying God, to be enjoying that relationship. Then all of a sudden, you get turned sideways. Either pride comes in, comparison comes in, whatever it may be. And you go back to the rules. All of a sudden, you go back to the rules. You go back to the comparison. You go back to these things. and, And you get confused. And we talked about in the book of Galatians, Paul was talking to a church in Galatia, and this is exactly what happened. He told them about Jesus. He said, it's about Jesus only. There's these people that come in behind him and say, it's about Jesus, but it's also about all these rules. Uh, it's about Jesus, but it's also about all the Jewish laws. So you need to follow Jesus and you need to follow the laws. And so they're, they're trying to figure this out. And this has been a struggle for everyone, right? We, we all have these struggles. I've been a Christian for so long, and I still struggle with going back to the rules, going back to the laws. That's why when people say, oh, man, we need to have the Ten Commandments up in schools, I disagree with that. Because I think it's awful for a kid to think that's Christianity, Ten Rules. I'm like, just put up love God, love others. How different would child, children look at Christianity if that's what it was? But we have this idea in our head, it's about rules, whether it was our parents that put it in there, whether it was a conservative church like myself, it's all about rules. And we start off going the right way. We feel the freedom, but we get sucked back into it. It comes back to us. And so this is what was going on, and it happened to a guy named Peter. Now, Peter was a guy that was kind of a big deal. Peter was the guy that walked on water to Jesus for a moment. Like, Peter was a disciple. Peter was a big deal, but he had stepped out of line, and Paul had to call him out. So we see this in Galatians 2. Verses 11 to 13 says this, it says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. If you don't remember, you're like, why are they talking about this? This was like the big deal. They were basically telling all men, if you want to be a Christian, you got to love Jesus and be circumcised. So all the men were walking in the way from the church. <laughs> so it says, but afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. He put even Barnabas in there because Barnabas... Barnabas was like, he was considered the encourager. Barnabas was that really nice friend that if you caused any harm to them, the rest of your friends got mad at. You know what I'm talking about? He's like, even Barnabas, man, seriously, Barnabas? He's getting mad. He's going, you did all these things. And because you decided to do it, you took everyone with you. Everything was going great. You were loving people. You were caring people. You were showing people how to follow after Jesus. Then all of a sudden, some outside pressure came. Something changed, and you went right back to what you're doing. Now, for most of us, it's not because somebody comes into our lives and puts pressure on that side. For many of us, it could be many different things. It's that feeling of guilt or shame many times that pushes us back into that. It's that moment that we mess up and all of a sudden we go, man, I need to work on these things before I can ask for forgiveness. There's many reasons why we go back, but it's something that we can do so often. It's kind of like a rope swing. I mean, I think for summer, rope swing is just, that, that is summer, right? Like you see a rope swing, you're like, yes. Some of you don't. Some of you, that brings back bad memories. I'm sorry. But rope rope swings are awesome, but I remember my first rope swing. Like it's that moment we were at this place called Ridgecrest, North Carolina. We was uh, probably like a hundred of us there. We come up on this tree and someone yells rope swing. Everybody's immediately excited. I think I'm like seven years old. This is gonna be my first real rope swing. So I'm excited, but also not feeling awesome. I'm trying to hide and everybody's like, oh, come on. I'm like, dang it, why do people have to notice me? And so, you know, I start going up the tree. And What happens? You get on the rope. You're holding on, you're like, man, I really hope my upper body strength actually exists. And then you swing out, and it's awesome, and then there's that moment you know. You know what you have to do. You're like, I need to let go. But you freak out in that moment. You freak out, even though you know what will happen. Like, We had America's Funniest Home Videos. There's at least 10 videos on that where the person goes back in the tree. I know what's gonna happen, but it's still scary. I remember going out, and I just went, whatever, and I let go. And I got in the water and it was great. I remember my friend after me went up. And I, his name was Alex and he went out and he freaked out and he held on. And every, what happens whenever anyone, you see it in their eyes? Everybody yells, let go of the rope, right? Everybody's like, let go of the rope. Alex's like, no, he swings back, nails the tree, falls to the ground. He was fine. <laughs> but what was there? There was pain. See, here's the deal guys. And this is what we see in my Sam's. When we swing out, there's this freedom that we have with God. Many times what we have to do is we've got to let go and stay there. But there's comfort. It's what we know that's back there. Problem is every time we swing back, every time we go into the rules, we hit, there's pain. There's always pain. Because there's always that feeling of inadequacy. There's always that feeling that I'm not good enough. It always brings us back to that point. And when there's pain, there's that fear of can I swing back out again? So how do we how do we stay out there? How do we, how do we continue to go? That way. In Galatians, Paul kind of puts it this way. In verse 16 and 19, he says, Yet we know that a person is made right with God by the faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will be made right by God by obeying the law. He's saying it over and over again on purpose. says, for when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me, so I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. He goes, I had to get rid of the idea that any part of Christianity was about rules. Here's why we like rules. Because it gives us a structure. It allows us to feel accomplished. It allows us to feel like we're doing something right. It also allows us to compare. And so what we do many times is we have this idea that we... We we want to follow God, but we also want the rules. He goes, I had to actually die to it because no matter what, sooner or later, what the rules do, they condemn you. Sooner or later, those rules make you feel and make you realize that you're not good enough. So if we want to actually follow God, we have to get to the point where we get rid of the law, we get rid of the rules and realize it's all about Jesus. Now, here's the deal. In order to do that, it means we have to give something up. It means we have to give something up, and this is not an easy message to do. In fact, this is not a message that you preach, and everybody afterwards is like, "Yay, I want to hug someone." Like, this isn't this isn't one of those messages because when you talk about giving something up, people don't like it. Like nobody like, and I'm like, "Yeah, you need to give something up," and nobody goes, "Amen." Like, if you go, "Yeah, and God's got a big plan for your life," you're like, "Yeah, and God's gifted you in so many ways." Yeah, and God's got this all these things He wants to give you, and He wants to bless you. Everybody's like, "Yeah," but in order to do that, you got to give something up. Yeah, no. We don't like that. We don't want that. But it's true. And what Paul says in verse 20, it shows, he says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body, but trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, in the same way Christ crucified himself, I crucify myself. I give up my old way. See, this isn't an easy thing to do, because when we give up our old way, we're giving up our old plan. We're giving up our idea of what perfection would be. See, we even see this with Jesus in Matthew. We see Jesus talking to disciples. He's letting them know their plan is not going to be the plan that's going on. He says this in verse He says, From then on, Jesus began to tell the disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. Here's the deal Jesus has been telling the disciples this entire time, Hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised from the dead. He's been kind of saying it a little bit lightly, and all the disciples. See, all the disciples believe this. They believe Jesus has done all these miracles. Jesus has done all these great things. Jesus is going to be king. He's going to restore the Jewish people to their right place. He's going to destroy the Romans, all of that. And so every time Jesus is like, hey, that's not the way it's going to happen, the disciples are like, stop playing Jesus. Yes, it is. And finally he goes, here's the deal, guys. I'm going to die. And they're like, whoa, wait, what? They're like, I'm I'm going to die. And all of a sudden their plans are interrupted. Let me say this. You can easily tell if you're in the wrong place with God. When he interrupts your plans for a God thing, how do you react? When all of a sudden God puts an opportunity in front of you that's a God thing, how do you react when your plans are interrupted? Are you okay with it, or are you mad that it's not going your way? So Peter, the guy that we were talking about earlier, the guy that walked on water, is ticked off. He says this, he goes, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. I can't imagine reprimanding Jesus. Hey, yeah, I know you fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. I've seen you bring people back to life. But I'm Peter, and I'm going to tell you what's going on, Jesus. So he pulls him aside, and he goes, I need to tell you this. Um, heaven forbid, Lord, he said. "It's probably not exactly what he said. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Literally, Jesus looked at Peter and said, your plan, your idea, what you truly want is going to keep what's best for the world away. And I care more about what the world is going to get in all of these lives than your plan at this moment. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. See, this is something that is so tough for us. Because every situation we go into, we want it to end our way. We want it to go the way we want it to. We, We go into every situation. We go, God, make this happen. God, change them. God, do this. And most of the time, in most of these situations, God's not looking to change the situation. He's looking to change us. And so in that moment, Jesus is looking at Peter. He goes, oh, your entire idea is wrong. You're like, what you want, I understand why you want it, but I want to change you into something much more that I'm going to use. And here's the deal. If we, if we want to stay in that place, if we want to be used, then we do have to give something up. We do have to take steps in that way. And the first step to it is this, it's humility. And I never like talking about humility because it sounds so weak. Whenever somebody says, hey, you need to be more humble, nobody likes that. It's always a moment that you say something. And here's what I mean by humility. Humility is not, you know, I feel I'm a horrible person. I'm, I'm a bad person. I'm not worth anything. That's not humility. Humility is an accurate view of who you are, what your gifts and talents are, but also where your faults and weaknesses are, and an appropriate view of who God is. See, once you understand who you are and who God is, that's where humility comes in. Because once you understand who God is, you realize you need him every day. You realize you need him to be a part of your life every day because you can't do this life on your own. See, when we first became a Christian, that's what we did. We said, God, I can't take care of my eternity. I can't take care of my life. I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to give this to you. I need you to do this. But then as we went on in our lives, we stopped doing that. And really what we ought to do every single day in humility is go to God and go, God, you know what? I know I can do this day, but I know I won't do it your way. I know I can do this way, but your way is much better. Every day I'm going to come before him and say, God, I want to say yes to your plan. I want to say yes to your ways. I want to say yes to your forgiveness so that we can restore this relationship right now. God, this morning I want you to give me your attitude and your nature so that when I go throughout my day, I respond in the way that you should, the way that I should in these situations. John 3.30 says it this way. It says he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. This is what humility is. It's not saying I'm horrible. It's just realizing how big God is and how much bigger he is than us. You know, one of the things that it's something that we ought to do that's humility. Prayer is humility. Praying is humility because you're looking at a God that you can't actually see, that you can't hear, but know that he's in power. Prayer is, a, is where we put ourselves in a place where we want to hear from him. I remember seeing Pastor that I grew up with, he was always praying and then he would pray, he would get down on his knees and sometimes he would go face down on the ground, almost in a bowing position. And I'm like, why is he doing that? And I went up to him I was like, why do you always pray face down? He goes, a man with his face already on the ground can't fall. And I was like, dang, that's deep. I thought I had the deepest pastor in the world then I heard it from another pastor later on and I realized I just copied it. But, But I was like, that's true though, right? It's, like, it's not that we actually have to lay down on the ground. It's the idea that if we truly understand who we are and who God is, pride never gets in our way. We're never at a point where we assume we know more than we, we really do. We're never at a point where we're like, I'm going to take over because I'm God. How would it change your day if every morning you realized who God was as you went throughout your day? So we have got to start with humility. And the second step is this, is we've got to make choices based on conviction Not on our feelings and desires. And this is a tough one right now. This is a tough one right now because this is the opposite of what the world says. The world says, hey, you're great. You're awesome. If you feel it, say it. If you feel it, do it. Whatever it may be, that's that's who you are. And here's the truth. It's the opposite of that. Galatians 5.24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. See, we believe, hey, if, if that's just the way you are, then just say what you want. Oh, I'm just a person that has a lot of emotions. Then be emotional. I'm just an angry person. Then be angry. I'm just a person that just says what's on the top of my mind. And you should do that. No, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. I shouldn't. There's many times, guys, where in a moment of feelings or a moment of passion, we say and we do things. You've, you've been there before. You've had a relationship that you've had for so long, but in one moment, you killed it. But We have this idea that this is the way it is, and people say this all the time, and I hate it when people say this. They go, oh, you're just perfect the way you are. No, you're not. I'm sorry if I'm the first one to tell you that. I'm not either. You're great. Don't get me wrong. You're great. God has given you a lot of gifts and talents, and you have a lot of great things about you, but perfection? No. Not even close. All of us have things that we have to continue to work on. All of us have things that we have to continue to get better at. This vacation, I realized that something that, and if you've known me for a while, you know this, competition is a problem for me. If you It's just not good. Like if people see me on the basketball court, they'll be like, I'm not going back to church. It's just the way that it's been. I've done a lot. And I think, and I felt like I've gotten better. I'm like, I've gotten better at this. And I'm playing my cousins in basketball. And they're not like little cousins. They're in their 20s. But I'm playing with my cousins in basketball. And one of my cousins keeps hitting a shot. And I'm so competitive and such a jerk on the court. I start taking the ball and just throw it as soon as he made a shot. Like I throw it to the other side of the court. I'm the oldest on the court. I'm like, go get it. What's wrong with me? Like, afterwards, I had to apologize. I'm like, am I 12 still? Like, that's the last, that's when I started doing that, was when I was 12. But what? That's what I felt in that moment. I was getting competitive. I was deciding that what I felt inside was more important than what's going on around me. Because there's always things that we continue to, to learn, and we we. We put them away so often, we go, oh, my family's that kind of family. We're always been this way. We're always angry. We're always lazy. This is just who we are. No, God can change us. You're not perfect the way you are. Not at all, but God wants to use you to do more. Uh, Joshua 24, 15 says this. This is Joshua making a decision based on a conviction, not on what's going on this moment. He says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors? who serve beyond the Euphrates, or will they be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He goes, here's the deal. It may not be easy right now to serve God because we're living in a land where they're serving other gods. It may not be easy right now to serve God because maybe you have this feeling that we should serve other things. He goes, but here's my conviction. Here's what I know. Serving God's right, so we're going to do it. Because we have to have things in our life that are convictions that we choose to do, not based on our feelings. Every morning, every day, we have a choice to spend time with God. Because as a pastor, I don't wake up in the morning and go, man, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to spend so much time with God. There's times where I wake up in the morning and I'm like, is it really morning? Why is that kid awake? You know? And there, there's times where I don't want to do. There's moments where we have to decide I'm going to do this because it's a choice I'm going to make. I'm going to follow after God. I'm going to treat this what person with respect, not because I feel like treating them with respect, but because it's a conviction that I have. I'm going to talk to this person this way. I'm going to do these things not because I feel that way because it's my conviction. So we start off with humility, and through that humility, we realize God's way is right, so we develop these convictions. And this last part is going to be the part that I need you to stay with me all the way through because you're going to miss. Some of you may misunderstand it, not because you're taking it the wrong way, but because you've heard it before and you may think I'm going a certain way. It's this. It's creating separation from the world. It's creating separation from the world. Galatians 6.14 says this way. It says, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. When I talk about separation from the world, I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about, here's the deal, now that I'm Christian, I only hang out with Christian people. I only do Christian things. I only listen to Christian radio. And in my free time, I listen to the Exchange podcast and randomly Stephen Furtick. Like, that's not that's not what I'm talking about. Because the Exchange podcast and Stephen Furtick. So... <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. Here's what I'm talking about. There are areas in each of our lives where we are weak. There are areas in each of our lives. Every single person in here has a weakness. Every single person in here has something in their lives that as they move towards it, it quickly moves them away from God. All of us have weaknesses, and there's other people that have strength in those same areas. I want to be honest with you for a moment, and I need you to listen to me all this way through because I need you to understand what I'm saying. For me as a guy it is so important for me to pay attention to what I watch. So important. I purposely do not watch certain TV shows. I purposely do not watch certain movies. I do things purposely so that I don't see a lot of flesh. Right now, during the summer, on my Instagram, on Facebook, on these things, I limit my time on those. Why? Because it's summertime. What does that mean? There's a lot of bikinis. So I limit my time. Here's why. Because the more of those pictures I look at, the more time I spend looking at women, the more I see them as commodities. And if I see them as commodities, I start to treat my wife as a commodity. I start to compare her to those other women. And I don't love her and care for her the way that I should. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying all girls in here should cover up and never post anything on Instagram. Okay? Because I know you've probably heard that before. Here's what I am saying. Here's what I'm saying. Knowing my weakness, I set up boundaries. I set up filters. Each of us has those things. Each of us has something in our lives. Sometimes it's because we have a weakness. Sometimes it's because God calls us to it. A second one in my life is something that is something God wants me to do. It's not something that's wrong. I don't drink. Not because it's wrong. It's not. In the Bible, Jesus drank. I remember I grew up in a church that said, oh, you know, it was just grape juice. No, it wasn't. Jesus took, like literally, Jesus' first his first miracle was turning water into wine. Everybody's like, oh, he just turned into grape juice. No, it says the good wine, which means high alcohol level, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't drink. Here's why. I was in youth ministry. I know a couple things. One, I know there's a certain amount of people in this room right now, certain amount of people in every room that I talk to that are genetically predisposed to alcoholism. Just know it. And I felt God was calling me not to do it because I don't want to be in a relationship or in a conversation with someone that I'm leading to the point to where they see me doing that, they think it's okay, and because of that, they make a decision that leads them down a long, harsh road. Now, are there other pastors at grace that drink? Yes. Absolutely. Do they have that same conviction? No. Does that make me better than them? Absolutely. No, I'm kidding. It <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Now, on both of those things. Here's where it goes wrong. Here's where it goes wrong. This is what people do. Both of those things are convictions. Neither of those are rules. The problem that happens is when I take those convictions, I turn it into other people's rules. And I condemn other people on those things. Because let me say this. Each of us is different. Some of you in here, Jesus went to parties. He did. He hung out in the places. They're like, I can't believe Jesus hang out with those people. Did he do those things? No, but he hung out with those people. Some of you can go to a party and be perfectly fine. Some of you get within 10 miles of a party, you're already drunk texting your ex. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you can handle certain things. Some of you can't. Look, there are things in our life, and there's things you've got to allow people to show, but here's what we need to do. There are things in this world that we need to set up boundaries, and there's things in this world that we need to set up filters so that we don't fall back into something we don't want to. This is an important thing to do. There are things in our life where we need to create separation. Why? So we don't fall back in. It's not about a law. Here's what it is. It's you. Here's how this happens. It's not because I come up here and I tell you something you should do and you do it. Here's how this happens. It starts off with that humility thing where every morning I go, God, I want you to live the right way. Then God goes, hey, here's the deal. I'm going to give you a conviction. I'm gonna give you how. I, here's the deal. I, I noticed you've been looking at these things. I know you've been doing these things. I'm gonna give you a conviction. You need to stop least. You need to stop doing these things. And so, because of that, I'm gonna separate myself from it. And I do it not because I feel like I have to, or it's a rule. It's because out of a relationship with God. And I understand that when I do those things, I have a better life. We get. We. Get, <laughs> I'll give you five bucks later. We get. <laughs> We get in a place so many times where we start to do that. If you're a brand new Christian, please don't fall into this. Brand new Christians do this all the time. They get into church, they go, all right, I'm cutting all this stuff out. But it's not there in your heart yet. And because it's not there in your heart yet, you cut it all out, but then it just feels like rules. And because it feels like rules, it feels like something you need to break. Or it feels like you're in this cage and it's not the freedom that God wanted for your life. See, what God wants you to give up the most, it's pride. All these things are pride. Pride. The starting of humility is pride. The idea that I'm not gonna get to react the way that I want means I'm giving up that pride. The idea that I'm gonna separate myself from something is realizing that pride is there and I really can't handle it and that's okay. See, it's so easy to fall back into an old way. But what we have to do is we've gotta take steps, put God first, set our convictions, allow him to set up barriers in our life that allow us to succeed and live in the freedom he's called us to It's not fun. It's not the easiest thing to do. But it's a place that we get to stay where we have more opportunity, more ways, and God uses us to the fullest without us sitting there in a shame and guilt of going back to the other side. Guys, I pray for you all the time in this. I pray that you take next steps in this. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that uh, you love us so much. God, I pray that we understand that that what you call us to do is not out of rules or obligations, it's out of love. God, I pray tonight that uh, you convict some of our hearts of areas that we need to step out of. And I pray that you convict some of our hearts of areas that we need to, to push aside. And God, I pray that you allow us to do that so that we can stay next to you. God, I pray every morning, every day, we put aside our idea that we're God. We put aside our idea that we know everything. And God, I pray that we look to you first pray that we ask for your your, uh, your heart. I pray that we ask for your eyes. I pray that we ask for the way that you would do things. And God, I pray that when you put someone in front of us or something in front of us that's a part of your plan, God, I pray that we're not mad that it messes with our plans. God, I pray that we step to it realizing it's something that's much more. God, we thank you for continuing to give us those opportunities. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.